With new Chips Ahoy Thins, we didn't stop at thin, we put an exclamation point on it. And we didn't stop with thin chocolate chip cookies, we made a thin cinnamon sugar variety too. And then we did a victory jig and then we stopped. But not really, still going. New Chips Ahoy Thins. Blog Talk Radio. This month we have Anthony Winkler. Anthony Winkler is a Jamaican. He went to California to receive his BA and MA degrees in English, and he returned back to Jamaica in 1975. There he got married and became a full-time freelance writer in 1976 after moving back to the U.S. His first novel, Painted Canoe, was published in 1984 by Kingston Publishers, now called LMH. And this was followed by The Lunatic in 1987, and in 1991 he wrote the screenplay for the film version of The Lunatic. As usual, my co-host is Chris Daly, blogger at Jamaicans.com, Me Thinking. Take it away, Chris. Thank you, Janice. And welcome, Mr. Winkler. It's great to have you on board this evening. Oh, nice to be here, Chris. Great. Uh, this, uh, we're really just excited and proud of the work that um, both you are, are doing. And I just want to get some background first and how circumstances led to you teaming up um, with Mr. Condoston. I don't know how come I'm teaming up with him. I'm not teaming up with him. Oh, you're not teaming up with him. Okay. As far as, I mean, as far as I know, I'm not. I'm just uh, here to answer questions. In fact, I, I All right. I have so, met the gentleman. Right. So do you know much about um, the Jollywood um, program? No, I don't. I don't know a thing about this. Okay. All right. Well, just give us a sense of, you know, you've written several books here. And... Uh-huh. Um, um, that captures some of the essence of, of Jamaican. Tell us what what were some of the motivations behind you writing um, your books. Well, you know, if you're a writer, you're a writer. You're, you're impelled to write. And nothing can stop it. You know, you're either going to write or you're going to die. And uh, I started writing. I had my first short story published when I was 16 in Jamaica. And uh, I went from there on, on to other short stories that were published by the Gleaner. At the time, the Gleaner was really the only outlet for short stories. And what they would do is they'd have on Wednesday a feature they called the Wednesday Reader. Okay. And they'd have a short story there. And uh, they edited it as they saw fit, and then they put it on. And, uh, you guys got some notice as a result of that, but uh, yeah, not a lot. Hmm. So at 16, you had that kind of break. So you, you had a passion for writing very young. What, can you give us a little background what you did in school as a boy to kind of um, grow this um, this passion for writing? Well, there's nothing that I try to go anymore than you try and go. Somebody trying to go a cucumber in the backyard or something. I just said, 
I um, I had the urge to write. My grandfather wanted to be a writer. As a matter of fact, he wrote a novel called Kathleen, uh-huh. and, and when he was in his sixties, and uh, sent it off to um, various publishers, mainly Penguin in, in England, mm-hmm. and uh, it came back about six months later with a note from the editor who had read to say that it was very promising, mm. but it uh, it uh, it was too long. Would you cut it down, please? So he, he went about the business of editor, cutting it down, and then he died before it was finished. Oh, gee. And his grandma, my grandmother, his wife, who was a disgruntled American living in Jamaica, which is okay. a country she didn't like, and uh, she sent, she said it sent fire. She burned it. Oh. I wrote a short story about that, uh, which came out in the, the anthology, one of my anthologies of short stories. It's a wicked act. Exactly. That's a treasure that went up yeah. in smoke. Well, it may not have been. It may not have been literary any good. I mean, I don't know if it was any good. I never saw any of his writing. My mother read some of his writing and said that it was interesting and it was good. But I, at the time, I wasn't in a position to be critiquing anybody's writing. Especially yeah. my grandfather, who was right. kind of a beloved icon in my my life. Exactly. The lunatic is the one I know most best about. The, the characters that that you develop. How do you go about developing a character? Is it claiming from your imagination, or you have other folks that you have in mind, and you've just used those as to in to build upon? Well, and everybody has their own method of generating and short story topics or, or even novel topics. But in my case, I, I uh, listen to the internal person, the, the, the one inside. And uh, he has hunger, and he lets me know when he's hungry and he needs to be expressed. Right. And after developing the book, you then um, turn that into a screenplay. What, what using the different mediums? How did you um, do that transition and make it work for you? Well, it's a secret among uh, writers, but the simplest, easiest, and most uncreative, un- un- I say, but that's not very true. And the simplest and the easiest kind of writing in the world is screenplay writing. Screenplay writing is child's play, as long as you can write dialogue, and as long as you have a, a sequential imagination where you can slot things together, you can write a screenplay. The most difficult kind of writing in the world, I think, is writing a novel. But compared to that, screenplay writing is, is child's play. That's neat. It, it, it's, going back to the, the writing idea and, and, and developing characters, um, how would the, um, do you, you deal with the issues, the contemporary issues that Jamaica has today and express that in the novel? Well, in the case of the lunatic, mm-hmm. um, was, I lived in Montego Bay. In fact, I went to Cornell College and was expelled from Cornell College when I was 14. And, um, you know, I, I, at the time, I, I kind of hung around with a, a 
wide variety of people that actually hang around with the whole that that patrol the the the, the wall. There's a wall in Montego Bay that goes all the way from the library all the way downtown to St James Street. Okay. And the whole the whole used to patrol that wall and they'd pick up men and do their business and uh one of the things I always heard the Americans complain about Jamaican men so they're so aggressive. They're so pushy. All they want is sex, sex, sex. Well one day they occurred to me that this is crap. And I turned it around. And okay. I said I had women oh. now who were coming to Jamaica hungering for these men and willing to take a chance and disease just for the sexual thrill and experience. And uh, that was what was motivating me, just turning the, 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 the what I thought was a canard against Jamaicans around and uh, giving it another point of view. That's genius. That's really genius. Uh, let's, let's talk about are you working in any work right now or uh, that um, what can we expect from you in the near future? Well, I have, um, in fact, I have some, some, I have three unpublished novels, and um, I, I think Macmillan must be getting tired of them. My novels uh, all come out to good, uh, uh, I, I, somebody's trying to phone me on the other line, I'll ignore them. But, um, yeah, it's, um, The line is clear. I forget what I was saying. Where was I? You were talking about the three novels that uh, you you oh, have yeah, unpublished. Uh, yeah, well, one of them is a trilogy. So it's actually three separate novels acting as one. And it's uh, it takes the experience of Jamaica from the beginning when it was populated by Indians, the Arawak mm-hmm. Indians and the Carib Indians. And it, it goes through a generation of their lives, and then it picks up the, the Englishman who came to Jamaica to uh, grow cane and, and produce uh, uh, rum and the stuff that English people wanted. Not many people know this, you know, but in 1805, Jamaica produced more rum, more sugar, than any other two major producers combined. Mm. Jamaica was fabulously wealthy in those days. There was a sign in Jamaica, in, uh, in London, as rich as a West Indian planter. We don't, in fact, looking back on that now, Jamaica was recognized at the time as the, um, the, the Saudi Arabia of the Western world. Wow. Okay. Yeah, Jamaica was fabulously wealthy. You guys have no idea. You have, if, you, if you take, uh, have you ever gone hiking in the bush in Jamaica uh, just to, to check around and see what kind of ruins are left there? Have you ever yes, done that? Yes, some places I've done that. Yeah. There's some fabulous ruins left there behind by these people who had money coming off of their nose hole. Hmm. The problem was um, life in Jamaica in those days is that uh, the mortality rate was astronomic. Mm. um, There was a a group led by Sligo, of of Sligoville fame. 
that brought in six, six, I think 1,700 people in, in the 18th century. And a month later, something like uh, a thousand of them were dead. What was the, the pathology? Mosquitoes. Oh. The, the yellow fever mosquito. Now, people didn't realize at the time that the yellow mosquito, fever mosquito was, was to blame. <laughs> but um, but it was, and it was it, it, it took uh, another two, two, two or three generations for them to come uh, uh, to the realization that the mosquito was giving them the, this disease. Now up to that point, what they did notice uh, cause and effect that the higher up you lived, the less likely you were to come down with yellow fever. And uh, that's why Newcastle was built, Newcastle in, the, in Blue Mountains. It's high enough that the mosquito actually can't exist up there. It's too cold for them. Okay. So, um, and in fact, there's a, uh, if you go to, I, I, last time I lived in Jamaica, I taught at Manig Teachers College. And Manig Teachers College is in the hills of St. Anne's. Yes. And the mosquito population there was sparse compared to, say, Kingston. By the time you got down to the uh, sea level, the mosquito would eat you alive. Mm. So that that was part of the demise because of the the, the mortality issue. Mortality, yeah, yeah, but it was the mosquito that was responsible for it. And the, the, the um, one of the reasons the the, the, the black Slaves were brought into Jamaica mm-hmm. in such great numbers. You know, they, they outnumbered the Jamaicans, natural-born English, Jamaican, Jamaican, 20 to 1. But one of the reasons is that um, they, they, they had uh, immunity against the, um, the yellow fever mosquitoes. And in fact, uh, there's a theory now being investigated by medicine. Maybe they've come to a conclusion that um, the, um, the the mosquito is not attracted to black men or black women because of uh, the, the same consequences and diseases that give give them uh, today. Uh, that, that bone disease, uh, call I forget. Um, you know the, the, the osteoporosis. No, uh, not osteoporosis. Uh. For the bones. Uh, it's the joints. The joints, okay, like arthritis. No, no, not like arthritis. Uh, I have another joint here, and I'll complete it in a little while. But anyway, uh. It was the, this element that produced this immunity, mm-hmm. and uh, that's why the poor black people were brought in such droves, because they survived. Well, the little Morgan white man that okay. was brought over there died within about a month. Mm-hmm. Seaford Town, that's a good example. Have you ever been to Seaford Town? I've never had that privilege. See, that's not a privilege. It's a, a, a pretty grimy, you know, okay. Jamaican mountain village. But when you go there, it used to be that all the people there were white. 
And if you went up to one of them, I'd say, good morning, say, how are you? Say, how are you, sir? Good, good, good sir. And they talk okay. nothing but patois. Okay. And uh, you know, they were brought there to by a fellow by the name of Le- Limonios, uh, using the attraction of free land, if you'd come and settle in Jamaica. Because when when the manumission occurred in 1834, the blacks refused to go and work in the plantations. And without the black labor producing the sugar and the, 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 the rum, there was no point in having a Jamaican development at all. Right. So that's affected the economy. Right. Affected the economy in great ways. Uh, And yet, you know, we forget how vicious and how unmerciful the the slave drivers were in in Jamaica. I mean, the stuff that they did to the slaves was uh, today... We read it and we see, we read eyewitnesses' accounts, and it's, we're staggered. We can't believe that uh, these people were so cruel. The brutality, that's the. Yeah. So, so you're, you're, it's a three part trilogy, so the first part, it goes in, in the different eras of Jamaica now, so this is. Yeah, the first part is called um, the, the, the God Carlos. Okay. And it takes the, 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 in the Spanish point of view, the Spanish took Jamaica from the, well, from the, the, the Indians and wiped them out. Okay. They're the, the, the only uh, it's the only complete case of total genocide that we can think of. We have genocide as impulses and wars that are fought, mm-hmm. but this was a case of 100% genocide. The Spaniards have a lot to, to account for. Yeah. I mean, this is unbelievable what they did, though. So the, 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 there was a Spaniard, and, and, and then the British came. British came. That's called the family mansion. That's the family the mansion. British, okay. Yeah. The British came because of the, the law of primogeniture, which was actually passed in the 12th century in England. Okay. A dispute between King Alfred and the, uh, the royalty, and the royal, the, the law primogeniture said that the inheritance of your your estate falls completely and totally on the firstborn male child. So if you you know you you have a boy. And if he stays well, which is very unlikely, because in those days people died before they were five or six years old. Mm-hmm. And the few that survived, if the boy survived, he got everything that your the father left behind. Okay. But if he died without leaving issue, he went back to the who had the first boy. Ah, okay. And that's the law of primogeniture. That's why Jamaica especially had so many... English people running rampant over the countryside because they were there you know, to try and make their fortune. They had no future in England. In England, they they they, uh, they either became clergymen, mm-hmm. they went into the army, <laughs> or they did nothing. But they they got nothing from the uh, estate. 
except uh, the promise or the hope that maybe one day the, uh, the, the oldest male child would die. Right. Wow. <laughs> and then the third one is called, uh, and that's one I, I'm almost finished with, I'm not quite finished with, it's called, uh, what's my working title? Um, Silver Sands. Sugar Sands. Silver Sands. Silver Sands. And uh-huh. what what's the that icon? What does that represent? Well, Silver Sands. There is really a, a development in Jamaica known as Silver Sands. You know, have you ever been there, Sir Chiloni? No, I've not had that there? privilege neither. So it's and there, there was something significant about there as far as the economy or some development. Silver Sands is one of these places that comes straight out of a, 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 a novel by an 18th or 19th century English writer. This was a quiet, cozy, kind of lazy place. You go and you swim and you drink and you, you know, very not much to do, but it represents a part of Jamaica that... Uh, Jamaica is in danger of dwindling into if it's not careful. Okay. You know, we don't want to become a nation of um, uh, waiters and cooks and cleaners. We want we want that, but we want it for people who don't have the education. But we want better than that for our people, because you know, the one thing about Jamaicans, as a Jamaican will tell you, Jamaican will tell you, when a Jamaican is good and he goes abroad and makes his mark. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Yes. I'm really, really good because the, the, the obstacles that he's coming against and making his way up the this social ladder in a, a foreign country requires the absolute utmost from him. And uh, Silver Sands is a story about uh, a poor man who has a son and he's trying to get him a cot somehow in the society. Okay. And then working his way through it. How would you, you know, that, that's some grand sweeps of the history of Jamaica. Right now, next year, we'll be celebrating a 50-year aniver- um, independence anniversary. How would you characterize that period of Jamaica? Up, up to the, uh, the 50 years of being... Of independence as we go into that next year. Well, independence was, I think, it it has become evident to people that independence was a good thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, independence, when it was first proposed, was not considered a good thing by probably a majority. I was in uh, the the stadium on the night of uh, that Princess Margaret lowered the English flag and hoisted the Jamaican flag. And I can tell you that, you know, when they, <coughs> before the um, flags were hoisted and lowered, and, uh, you'd hear uh, somebody say, Lord God, we're free! We're free! <laughs> and there's there, somebody down there, say, what are you talking about free? You're so fine about free when you can't get food to eat. And this is the debate that was going on between those people who wanted the freedom that independence represented, and those who didn't because they were afraid. Hmm. 
Yeah, they, they couldn't live with the independent, the idea of being on the... Uh, of course, an Englishman was very hard on Jamaica. He was, um, he was a, a wound in a Jamaican personality. Okay. When, uh, he he um, took advantage of us, took advantage of our, our place in, in the world, sunshine and all that. Mm-hmm. And he could come to Jamaica and if he, had, if he had a little bit of money, his money was multiplied by 20 or 30 because he got, gained that much in value right. in Jamaica. No, yeah, we're on the threshold of, of growing up into in, into full nationhood. What wisdom and advice would you have for the the young generation to to be able to for Jamaica to reach its destiny? Well, we should like the stage in my life where I don't believe in making prophecies anymore, and I don't give advice. Okay. Say, uh, whatever, what you, what we need to do. Is, is to to stay the course, as Nixon would say. Go on and just keep doing the best we can. And uh, the, the one thing we need in Jamaica are more teachers, mm. better teachers. And uh, you know, did you ever read in my book called Going Home to Teach? I haven't had that chance yet. Uh, well, going Home to Teach is a true account of what it was like in Jamaica when I went back home in 1970. I'm intending to stay and, and resume my life as a Jamaican citizen and a native born. Mm-hmm. I was born in Jamaica at uh, in, uh, the Saint Ju- the, the Jubilee Hospital in downtown Kingston. My yeah. father was born there. My mother was born there. So you know, we were pretty long roots, deep roots in the Jamaica uh, subsoil. Uh, I think we need more teachers because uh, you know we just don't get enough of an opportunity to to develop ourselves. Even right, today, we. Yeah. I mean, for instance, take take me for instance. I I never wanted to leave Jamaica in 1975. Mm. I, I wanted to. I mean, I never wanted to leave Jamaica at all. I wanted to stay there and live life until I died. Mm. Marry a Jamaican woman and. Uh, Carry on with my life. But what what happened was when I got expelled from uh, Cornell College, mm-hmm. I was expelled from every school on the island. Oh, yeah, that's the way it used to be. You expelled from one, you expelled from all. Okay. And uh, you know, uh, it was just uh, the only way I could get that education was to go abroad. Right. But uh, but I didn't have a visa. I didn't have um, anything that would en- enable me to travel freely. Between Jamaica and anywhere else, uh, so my, my my mother went from door to door. She had some like thirteen or fourteen brothers. Okay. And she collected a fifty pound from each of them and gave me the money and said, "Go to America and make your fortune." Okay. And sent me uh, sent me to California. And there I was. I was landed in California, and there was a strange man meeting me. And I didn't. I had a verbal description of him from my mother, but I really uh, didn't didn't know the guy. I never had a, a word or two with him. Well, it turned out my my mother, in order to get me in America, did a quid pro quo with this man. Okay. She gave him what he wanted, and he gave her what she wanted, which was for me to have a, a foothold in the society that she was sending me to. 
Wow. Yeah. So I, then I arrived in uh, California in 1963, and uh, the man drove me up to his house. He turned out to be married, and his wife wanted to know, where the hell did this boy come from? <laughs> what is what is this boy doing in my house? And then it became obvious to me what had happened. You know, right. I mean, so, yeah. And so I um, I did the best I could to placate her and make her feel as if I was no threat to her. But as far as she was concerned, it was like carrying a, a torpedo into your bedroom and putting it beside you, hoping it would fire or don't fire. Wow. Yeah. Visit com. His blog is called Me Thinking Are You. And to learn more about Jamaican Diaspora, visit JamaicanDiaspora.com. Thanks for spending some time with us, Tony. My pleasure. Keep yourself and your wallet healthy with Wellness Plus with Plenty at Rite Aid. In addition to Plenty Points, earn Wellness Plus points every time you shop. $1 spent on everyday items gets you one point and get up to 25 points on every prescription you fill. When you've reached 1,000 Wellness Plus points, you'll get 20% off our regular prices for a year. And that's just one of the four ways to save. Now through October 1st, earn 1,000 Plenty Points when you spend $30 on select P&G products. See RiteAid.com and Circular for details. With new Chips Ahoy Thins, we didn't stop at thin, we put an exclamation point on it. And we didn't stop with thin chocolate chip cookies, we made a thin cinnamon sugar variety too. And then we did a victory jig and then we stopped. But not really, still going. New Chips Ahoy Thins.